You can find us if you so care to at YouTube, uh, Apple, Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, and something called Twitter. Brent, do you know what Twitter is? Yeah, you were tweeting. Moving along. <laughs> Sometimes, David, this is how it goes. Oh, I understand. I have days just like I that. I mean, you have the one job. <laughs> Welcome back to Fortitude, folks. I am JW. My partner, Britton Payne, are the hosts of Fortitude. You can find us if you so care to at YouTube, uh, Apple, Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, and something called Twitter. Britton, do you know what Twitter is? Yeah, you were tweeting. Moving along. Uh, you can find us at Fortitude FW on those uh, pro- platforms. Also, our website, FortitudeFW.com. Check us out and our and please contact us if you have more problems than you've already contacted us about <laughs> at fortitudefwpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome all your criticisms. I got a problem. I'll tell you about it in the pain train. We're gonna go into the pain train here because Mr. Mr. Pain Train's got something to say. So without further ado, welcome to the pain train. Oh, she cause she's coming in hot today, folks. All right. So uh my son's fixing up this Jeep. And it comes with a registration sticker of 121 for the, for the, the registration or is it called the registration? We call it a expiration expiration. I'm going to challenge you guys look around on the street when you're driving around. If you're listening to podcasts on the road, look how many people have expired registration stickers. You will be amazed when you're sitting at a stoplight. Look over to see if that person has a registration sticker expired or not. It is crazy how many people I think came out of the pandemic and they're like, well, one thing I can check off my list of things to do is get registration mm-hmm. done. I mean, nobody has up-to-date registration stuff, and so I don't know where that comes code from. Code enforcement, are they maybe dropping the ball? Is that where you're throwing this to? That's the cops. I mean, that like that's code enforcement on the registration. I used to always get those things done because you don't want to get nabbed for something else, something you're carrying around in the car or how many you know well, hours folks, at the bar you were sitting at, whatever. You got to keep that up to I, date. for one, support our police department. Someone else on the show possibly does not, but get your <laughs> inspection stickers put up to date because we don't want to see you in any harm's way. Well, so. and here's the thing. We'll do this. If you can find an expired registration sticker with a police support sticker on the back, that would be the ultimate right. in the oxymorons Chief no- we're looking Chief for. Noakes, our buddy and on the show, he knows that old game. When they see that sticker, they know right away that somebody's no. trying to pull a fast one. Oh, for sure. All right, okay. well, thank you for that little journey down thank the pain train. You. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, our guest today, Britton, is a really cool, interesting fella. He goes by the name of David Treichler, and he's currently the Director of Strategy and Technology for Encore Delivery in Dallas where he's responsible for strategic analysis analysis supporting the growth of the enterprise. Did I nail that, David? Pretty close, yeah. <laughs> well, David is what some people call a futurist. It's a very fascinating term. Brent, do you know what a futurist is? No. What is it? I don't know either, but I, I've read a little bit of the bio, and I am definitely interested in what a futurist is. So welcome to the show, David. Thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, David. Me. First off, before we get into this thing... There's the audience applause. Beautiful. That's our in-house audience. Um, Your your background, you're from Niagara Falls, New York, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. So my partner here, aren't you from somewhere around those parts? Yeah, the New York area. From the adoption agency? Have you ever been in a barrel down the Niagara Falls? (laughs) I've been at the Maid of the Mist under the falls, and I've been at the top of the falls, but I've not gone (laughs) over the falls. Okay, okay. We're glad you have known that. You came to Fort Worth in 1996 with the wife's uh, job transfer. Right. 
And then you became began working with Encore at about that time, or years later. Years later. Years later. When did uh, and and then before we, we we can get into we might as well get into the, the sure. meat of this. But you are what we call a futurist. Mm-hmm. What is a futurist? A futurist, and you talk about oxymorons. It sounds crazy, but a futurist is actually a historian, someone who is able to look back long ways, like millions of years in some cases, to try to figure out what's going on with our world and how the world is evolving but is then able to take an understanding of a deep understanding of history to look at what's happening today in context to what's happened in the past and then trying to evolve out from that, the patterns of how things can evolve from here. Mm-hmm. So the, my, my real focus at Encore's strategist is to try to figure out what Dallas Fort Worth area in North Texas is going to look like three to five years from now. And what does the company need to do to try to prepare for? And as, as, as a good example, at Encore, we have a thing that we started a couple of years ago uh, called Black Swan Dialogues. We sit down with the leaders, our senior leadership team. And in November of 2019, one of the things we sat down and looked at was, what happens if there's going to be a pandemic? Oh, you, you had talked about that before. We talked about it. In fact, we had a, we had a protocol that had been in place since 2018. Mm. So we, we had prepared for that kind of eventuality. But we had conversations about a number series of topics in 2019, of things that were high consequence, low probability mm-hmm. that we had to prepare for. And interestingly enough, of the, th- the four things that we really focused on in 2019 to early 2020, uh, three of the four have come to pass. What are those? Um, Pandemic? Well, the storm in, in 2021. Oh, man. Because one of the things we talked about, well, what happened if we have a change in our regulatory commission? Well, that changed the, the you know, things that we as a company have to go do. Uh, we looked at what would happen if there's... Uh, 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 a focus on re-regulation of the, of the, of the utilities. The utilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What happens if there's uh, uh, a potential uh, incorporation of Texas into the larger grid? Because right now, ERCOT is a separate grid. So we actually went through an analysis of what would happen if that happened and how would we respond to that. That hasn't happened this time, but it's been one of the things that's been talked about at both the commission and at the legislature this last go-round. So things that we started talking about a couple of years ago are things that have actually come to pass not 100%, but we were starting to get ready for them because we're saying, looking back what's happened in the past, mm-hmm. what could happen, what are the things that can cause something un, unexpected to occur that would have devastating effect on us? And we've had two of those major events just in the last 12 months. Sure. How months. often does that happen like that? Because you guys have had <laughs> these conversations far before this, right? Most people never see this kind of thing actually occur. So a lot of people say black swan dialogues. Uh, yeah, that's just, just yeah. Not, not like we're going to have to worry, really worry about that. But now everybody's sitting here saying, well, yeah. Yeah. That's, this is why we have a futurist who's someone who can sit on our staff and <clears throat> kind of say, well, what if? How would we respond to that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've, we've had things around weather and climate was our last one. And again, that came out of the storm in February. Okay, what do we do about you know, uh, drought? It's a big major drought in Texas. In 2011, there was a major drought. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, you know, we had, what, 40 days of consecutive heat? Uh, what happens if it becomes 80 days of consecutive heat over 100 degrees? What happens, you know, do we have enough water in our service territory to be able to keep people's homes cooled and people be able to take baths and, sure, but also be able to cool the power plants? Oh, yeah. Because in, in, in uh, the 2011 heat thing, we actually had a couple of plants shut down because there wasn't enough water left in the reservoirs to, to cool the plants. Mm. And in fact, we have the same thing with the nuclear plants. So, you know, all these things are inter- interrelated. And that's part of my discussion about going back in time and how the heat, the, the earth has heated, warmed up and then cooled off. 
Yeah, we, this is not the last time we're going to see the cycle. Certainly. Does being a futurist, um, does that give you a special um, knowledge or sitting in these meetings with Encore? Are you the one telling them these things or is there a whole bunch of you guys sitting around in the same mind frame? Are they like, David, why are you saying this? Do they, do, do they all generally agree with what you're saying? Uh, no, <laughs> they don't always agree with what I'm saying. Uh, we, we have a, a relatively small team at Encore in the Strategy and Emerging Issues group, which I'm the director of. Uh, and we pull together the, the topics. I, I do most of the work for the Black Swan just because of my background and my training versus the rest of the team. But everybody helps me with the research, tries to bring the information together. And then we present the scenario to the senior leadership team and we have a discussion about it. Mm -hmm. And we've taken some significant actions in some cases based on having those discussions and saying, yeah, we really ought to have better information about this. So you need to start figuring out how are we going to, for example, electrify our fleet because that's coming. Yeah. Uh, and, and things of that nature. We're, 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 we've actually gone one step beyond that and we now have set up a strategic coordination council, strategy coordination council for the company that meets once a month. And we walk through a, a strategy from one part of the company shared with 62 directors and vice presidents of the company and a few other uh, uh, subject matter experts just trying to make sure everybody's coordinated and joined up at the hip about how are we reacting to these things, bringing in the, the, the discussions from the black swans in some cases and talking about, okay, are we, are we executing properly to make sure that we're doing the right things for our ratepayers and for the people in North Texas to make sure that when you flip the switch, the lights are going to be on. Mm -hmm. So you, go ahead, go ahead, Um, What are you, you're going to call me with some other name, <laughs> like some other person or something? Then I'll go ahead. <laughs> do, uh, do you see the future <laughs> as getting bright as a futurist? Do you see the future getting brighter <laughs> or darker for mankind? Both. Okay. Looking back and looking at what's going on now and looking at what's going forward. You know, the, the thing that, that constantly amazes me is when I go back and I look at specific things that are happening today, and you can go back within the last hundred years and see the exact same thing has happened in our country before. You look in the 1880s and the things that were going on in terms of just how we were reacting to uh, uh, basically the, the freeing of the slaves in the United States and how in the 1870s the election was thrown to a person who was going to end Reconstruction. Pretty heavy kind of stuff, yeah. Right? And 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 you know, you look at the the, the populism that was very popular at that time, uh, Williams, Jennings, Bryant, and others. You know, it's the things that you see today. They're just cycles. They just keep coming back. And uh, if you look in in that time frame, you'll say we'll probably come out of the current cycle in maybe thirty, forty years, and we'll go into something else. Will it be better? Will it be worse? Who knows? It'll just be different. And the thing that that you can be sure of is looking at things that have happened in the past how those same forces evidence themselves today is different than it was then because technology and other things have changed mm. and our societal values have changed in a lot of respects. So how we treat those things become different. And that's where I go into writing all these books I've written, the 25 mm -hmm. books. I take topics that I'm interested in and I try to do a deep dive in terms of how people are likely to react to a situation. Uh, an example, well, you see right there, I believe in you. I wrote that in 2004. Mm -hmm. It was about a pandemic. Hmm. How accurate is it compared to what's happening currently? I had a few minor changes, but depending on which theory you believe about the source of the pandemic, I may have been right or I may have been wrong. Yeah. Does that, does that book, um, you, do you call it fiction or nonfiction? It's, it's fiction. Fiction. Does it's it, fiction. How does it end, if you mind me asking, without being a spoiler? Do, does mankind die off or do we 
a whole lot of people die off. A lot of people. That's fairly close. Well, that was kind of my, one of my next questions was, uh, is population growth the problem or is technological advancement of all of these things a problem? You brought it in mm-hmm. where you were like, you're kind of taking it, you're looking at it from an interest of, you know, the technology affecting the way humans look at these mm-hmm. cycles that mm-hmm. have been mm-hmm. happening in the past. But, mm-hmm. but is the technology like this big impetus, like just like this dividing line in, in that? I mean, granted there was technology a long time ago, but. I, I view technology as an enabler of what's happened. Technology has enabled us to have much longer lifespans. You know, go back a hundred years. How long do people average life? Life yeah. is about 60. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people died in their forties. Uh, you go back in, in terms of, you know, uh, the things that people could do in, in the 1850s, there were no electric lights. There were no cars. If if you if the electric grid finally suddenly suddenly went away, how would life be? And some people have said, you know, it may go away. It could go away. It did go away for five days in February. Uh, how do people live without electricity? Yeah. And and how you but it's, you know it's been an enabler of a different lifestyle. But the lifestyle in 1850 was the same lifestyle it had been in 1800 and 1750 and before that. Minor changes. It's just but it's accelerated the change, the rate of change. Just like the, the social media, like what we're doing right now. Yeah. This is accelerating the rate of change because it's disseminating information much quicker mm-hmm. than we were 100 years ago or even 10 years ago. Yeah. And, and consequently, people are smarter about things. Uh, and, and this is one of the things that I'm really starting to focus in on now is stop and think about education in 25 years. Well, people really need to be able to read and write. And watch YouTube videos. It doesn't seem likely, though, for sure. I see where you're going with that. So do we really need to even have an alphabet? All of a sudden, words become sound, not letters, not written. All right. If you, need, if you want something done, you say, hey, Alexa, or, or hey, Google, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is, and you know, we've, a lot of the things are, are moving towards voice technology, even now on our, our, te- our devices. I think in 10 years, you're going to find very few that have key inputs. So it'll be a voice. It'll just tell it what to do? Yeah. So, well, can I step forward sure, a little bit on that? So, in mm-hmm. your mind and your some of your writings, mm-hmm. what is what does the world look like in fifty years? Uh, can, is that a fair answer? Or how about this? Yeah. What is what's it? What is the worst case scenario for mankind in fifty years if certain oh, things happen? Cl- clearly, the worst case is either be fire or ice. It'll be dead. Fire or ice? Yeah, that's the old you know thing. Will the world end in fire or will it end in ice? It ends in fire if it's a nuclear bomb. It'll end in ice if we just destroy the planet. Right. So in 50 years, could we destroy the planet? No, we wouldn't. Even with you know, all the climate change things that are going on in 50 years, no, we'll still be here. 50 years, if the, if the planet's going to end, it's going to be a nuclear war or something of that nature that just destroys everybody or a pandemic of much greater magnitude than what we've seen that just destroys life as we know it. But you know, it, could it end? It's feasible. Is it, is it a black swan? Absolutely. I, you know, high consequence, low probability. And in my mind, it's prob- low probability. And one of the things that Brent and I were talking about before was, am I an optimist or am I a pessimist? Yeah. For mankind. And I'm a very much an optimist. You look at what we've done as a, as a, as a, as a species, humankind, mm-hmm. not, not Americans, not Russians, not Chinese, whatever, just humans. Humans have solved every issue that we've faced, been faced with for the last 30,000, 40,000 years. Mm-hmm. We always seem to be able to find a way to resolve the things that we create for ourselves. And one of the other questions that Anthony, that Britain asked was, 
Is mankind its own worst enemy? At the moment, I would say no. Getting close? Because I think that weather and the climate and the planet is our worst enemy at the moment. Because we haven't done anything to arrest the causes that could, in fact, overwhelm us. Certainly. How many people are being affected right now by, you know, the the fires and stuff in California? Yeah. Or the drought out out west? Or how many people were affected by the, the freeze? And looking at the fact that they say El Nino is coming back this year again, 2022. Are we going to have another deep freeze in Texas? And are we ready for it? At Encore, we're doing everything to make sure that we're ready, but we're not the ones who caused the problem last time. Yeah. So, what, know. David, what, in, in, in your best opinion, what is the way that ends mankind and how far out does that go? If, if you, if you, if you obviously you thought of these, certain, mm-hmm. these scenarios, mm-hmm. what's, the, what's the best uh, idea of how mankind gets it's ended? As I said to before, I don't think it will. And not in my lifetime anyway. That's, that's, a, that's a joke. I'm not <laughs> that long. But you know, mankind will probably end in some form. Uh, one of the, the series of novels I wrote was all about uh, uh, the, be, the ability to transfer consciousness into a roboticized body so that we will live forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually wrote three novels from that series, uh, starting with uh, uh, Ghost in the Machine. Uh, and... In fact, I'm starting to work on number 27 right now and conceptually, and, and that will be really focused around. Uh, you can take that if you like. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, if it's a fellow futurist. It is, but that's another story. <laughs> is there a secret? Is there like a club of futurists? Or is there a secret club? You a guys, secret club. Yeah. Is, like is there a cobble of, of, of people out there trying to tell everybody what the world's going to be like in 100 years? Uh, yes and no. There, there, are, there are a lot of people who are futurists. One guy who I would direct the audience to, if you're interested, is a guy named Tony Seba, S-E-B-A. He's a professor, I think at Stanford, and he has a group called Rethink X. And he's, a, he's not a futurist per se, uh, but he's someone who tries to sh- create pathways to enabling things to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the reason I got involved with Tony was I happened to see a, a, a presentation he made where he talked about uh, a picture that he showed of New York City Broadway on Easter Sunday in 1900. And his question was, where's the car? And you look at the picture and you finally see there's there's an automobile somewhere on Broadway on Mm -hmm. 1900. And then he had another picture from 1913, 13 years later. And his question was, where's the horse? and, And he says... Most of his discussions are about, we sit here and say, that's, that's not going to happen. Can't happen. You know, technology doesn't change. We don't change that fast. But he showed in two pictures that 100 years ago, we completely changed over from horses to cars, a technology adoption in 13 years. You start looking at the adoption curves for things like cell phones. Yeah. Adoption curves for uh, the internet. Uh, adoption curves are starting to develop now for electric cars and and you know, battery electric devices of different sorts. It's all happening in much faster accelerated timeframes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you know, look how fast uh, 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 Facebook took off. Yeah, going, going from you know college group in, at Harvard to you know three billion people worldwide, just in a very few short years. So we are we're the adoption of technology is accelerating, and you know while I, th- I think a lot of people will sit here and say. Well, the technologies that are being applied are applying different kinds of things, and they're not the fundamental 
shifting kinds of technologies like an electric grid from a no electric grid where right. everything transforms. Well, the internet pretty much shifted everything again. Yeah. And there will be other things, the internet of things they're talking about where the internet now controls everything in your house and your streets. Uh, those are the, the kinds of things that will fundamentally change who we become. And that goes back to my thing about education. When you get to the point where you have artificially intelligent devices that will make all your decisions for you, all you have to do is blink at something mm-hmm. and it automatically knows that that's what you want it to do because we already have blink recognition things for cars and other things that they can use. You won't even have to say anything to it. It'll know what to do for you. Right. So what's your value in the equation now? Mm-hmm. Well, Are and then s- the other question is what? how susceptible does that make humankind mm-hmm. for either the opposition of other humans upon them or just if the machine has a glitch, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I was driving next to somebody to Austin yesterday. Mm -hmm. The guy's sitting back there on his Mm -hmm. phone. Mm -hmm. He's in a Tesla. He's got no Mm -hmm. hands on the wheel, probably no feet on the, I mean, we're going 75 down the freeway and uh, he's just letting the car drive it. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I know even at this day, even a a brand new laptop Mm -hmm. will still get, the blue screen of death if you push mm-hmm. it hard enough. Mm-hmm. And so it is this kind of question of... Yeah, I'll, I'll point you to the tragic flaw. Mm-hmm. The, the premise of that novel is that we have now gone to all autonomous drive vehicles and they've outlawed self-drive vehicles. In California? Nationwide, worldwide. Mm-hmm. Worldwide. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit in the future, a few years. But they find out in the, in the st- story that there was a zero-day defect in the software. Mm. All of a sudden, all of the systems stopped on the same day. So you can no longer go mm-hmm. anywhere, except for the hero who has a 2012 Tesla that his uncle had had in a garage that, for 200 years. And that, yeah. that could lead us to something like this, maybe? <laughs> we, we, yeah. we talked about nuclear war earlier, but mm-hmm. how, how big a likelihood, not to cover mm-hmm. up the, no. uh, the, the automation technology, is that's something we want to discuss as well, but sure. how, how likely do you think this is in... <laughs> in the history of the, the near history, the future history, whatever. And the recent history, the United States dropped two bombs mm-hmm. in a war. So the United States has no moral agency about nuclear war. Zero. We're the only nation in the world that has actually engaged in nuclear warfare. So is it likely? I'd say the fact that it's not happened in 70 years is a miracle. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we have some crazy people around the world who have access to those things, even if it's only just a du- uh, a dirty bomb, mm-hmm. which is like using the, the the nuclear stuff that comes out of a uh, uh, a, a sensor in a hospital uh, 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 X-ray machine, uh, you know, that can cause major damage in a community where people can't live there for thirty to forty to fifty years. You know, would, it, would we have a major war where we lose the whole world? My, my opinion, and this is just one person who's been looking at history and looking at this stuff and worked for a defense contractor, is that even if we had an all-out nuclear war, mankind would not stop to cease to exist. Uh, we would still be here, a whole lot fewer of us, uh, but we would survive as a, a species, mm-hmm. and we would find a way to dig our way back out of that scenario. Uh, so... I would say it is highly likely that there will be a limited nuclear war potentially in our lifetime. So you, I was going to ask kind mm-hmm. of if you can do a chronology, because we've mm-hmm. talked about kind of war and fighting, mm-hmm. population, mm-hmm. electricity mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, or energy sources in there. Mm-hmm. And then, um, well, let's just go, well, uh, 
we could say money or something, but let's just go with those three. So you've written all of these books. Do you have a pattern you go to where it's like, okay, here's mankind, man, you know, gets to a point where he starts getting greedy or fighting with somebody. Then it's about an electricity or just like a, you know, one natural resource or made new resource. Do you have kind of a, um, I'm not asking for your playbook on how to write it, but these recurring themes that you've seen with all of this kind of research and writing that keep presenting themselves and what would be the chronology of those kind of big, big items? I only have written really one book that goes to that extent, and that's mm-hmm. called Lucifer. Mm-hmm. I would just direct people to go read that. that if a they're heart interested in how- heartwarming <laughs> classic. What is that it's, about? It's it's about a future world where we have had peace for a hundred years, and what happens when we have a event that removes that which keeps us peaceful. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and, and interesting enough, it's based on technology that exists today. Mm-hmm. In fact, I ended up working with that technology for a number of years, actually sold a whole bunch of it internationally to some of our international partners uh, when I was working for a defense contractor. So it exists. Yeah. Can we circle back back a little bit to sure. the social media piece? Mm-hmm. We were talking about it just a second ago, but where do you, we all know we've seen the, the we've seen social dilemma. We all understand mm-hmm. our kids are now mm-hmm. basically robots in some regard, but where where does social media, where's it going to lead us and how does that how does that mess get solved or not? Uh, <clears throat> another book I did, did, did I bring it? I think I did bring it. It's called Truth. Mm-hmm. It's all about regulating social media. Uh, and in that case, it comes back to what is, again, since I focus in on the human side of this whole mm-hmm. thing, the, the book really focuses in on the toll it takes on the people who have to mediate the media to try to keep us from killing each other. Okay. okay, so what's the, okay, I'm going to ask this question, like an odds mm-hmm. maker question. Mm-hmm. Nuclear war, mm-hmm. natural disaster, mm-hmm. or social media technology, like forcing mm-hmm. humans against each other, which happens first in our lifetime? I'm an optimistic, optimist about social media because it's so new and it's so young that we will come we'll up, figure it we, out. we will figure out a way to make it work for everybody. Is that mm-hmm. your doomsday alarm, by the way? No, it's just telling me what the guy sent <laughs> Seek me. shelter. Who called before. <laughs> Is there a nuclear weapon hitting Can our way? Can you do that yeah. on a podcast? Could you, like, I just kind of did like a fire in the movie theater. I don't know if that's, we may have to edit that out. Here, I'll do it like this. Okay, there we go. Now, we, we, I, I'm, not con- I'm not concerned about a nuclear war in the short term, uh, only because you know, the people who are most likely to want to use those kinds of weapons uh, aren't desperate enough to do it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, if certain trends continue, uh, it could be pushed in that direction and it won't be somebody that we expect who will have the weapon, but they will have acquired it from somebody we didn't know had it. Um, my guess is how that will play out. And that's, and that's because I think that the only way it will get used is because it will be an unreasonable man, I'll put it that way, mm-hmm. who will have chosen to emulate himself, a whole bunch of his friends and anybody else he may know. Right. And just to, prove a point and hope that somebody remembers him after he's gone. Right. Well, and History. that weapon could also not serve something like this. It could mm-hmm. be something as simple as a, an algorithm that knocks out all of the electricity that mm-hmm. m- then maybe ultimately leads to people going against each other or something like that. Uh, an algorithm that knocks out electricity again is going to be a short term kind of thing. Okay. Uh, our, in, our electric grid is, is becoming more and more sophisticated but a lot of it is still based on technology that in some cases is 100 years old. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it would be very hard for someone to take out our entire grid permanently. Yeah. We would be able to get it back up relatively quickly. And to be piecemeal, a little bit of go out here, a node would go out here, a substation maybe here. You know, someone may be able to, you know, take a generator offline. But in the state of Texas, there are 710 generators. You take out one, you take out five. Right. For the most part, we're not going to end life as we know it on Earth. Yeah. We, we, you know, we've built a very resilient society. Why am I all of a sudden very popular at the prime? I don't think Because we're doing this podcast Probably. live. <clears throat> uh, that happened to me once before when I was up on stage and a call came in. It was my dentist. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> giving me the results of <clears throat> a, yeah, uh, an examination <laughs> that I had to go back and have done. Talk about so, doomsday. Yeah, so, yeah that's so, like Marathon Man with Dustin yeah. Hoffman when yeah. he does that whole yes, thing. Yes, I remember that piece. Yes. yes. That, was, that was one of my good favorite movies as well, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that's another thing a, f- a futurist does. The futurist looks at what all the Hollywood people say. And spend your, yes, I spent a lot of time debunking mm-hmm. their theories and saying, yeah, that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it, but nah, that's not how I would write it. Right. Um, but again, um, you know, the reason why I'm a futurist, other than the fact that that's what I do for a living with being a strategist, is I, I try to use the, the, the novels and things I write to let me understand how this can all play out for us. Because you know, too many people just look at technology and they say, oh, that's, that's bad, that's bad, that's, that's good, that's good. But they don't really go to the next step of saying, yeah, this could have caused this to happen. Uh, the guy who is the chief technology f- officer for, I believe, Google, uh, is a guy named uh, Kurzweil. And he has a theory that by 2045, we'll be able to transfer human consciousness into computers. I thought that was already happening with the vaccine. No. Just kidding. No. <laughs> uh, and he's serious. Yeah, absolutely serious. And in fact, that was, the, that was the stimulus for me to write that series of three books mm-hmm. where we actually do transfer it into a roboticized body. Now, he, when he originally thought about it, he thought it more in terms of actually subsuming it into a computer. But I actually moved it into a mechanical robot mm-hmm. saying that, you know, we're not going to be ready to go be just electrons. We're going to want to be something else as an intermediate. And maybe a thousand years down the road, we may want to. But if you've got a machine that's you now, Every time the parts wear out, you just replace them. You just keep on going. You know, mankind could live forever. In that scenario, <clears throat> would I be able to find a, a partner on the podcast to do more work, actual work around here? Is that, you think it's possible? Depends, just asking. It depends on that partner's consciousness. Right. Yeah, oh my gosh. Well, I've, already re- <laughs> I've already frozen some in a carbon thing, oh, like you, on you, Solo. You and Walt Disney? Uh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I will that, live on forever. Is that forever. true? No. Um, back, David, real quick, back to electricity. Yes. Is electricity something will be needed in the future? Will Absolutely. that go, will that go away in a hundred years? Not electricity, no. Exponentially grow need? Uh, in a hundred years, will we get to the point where we can generate all electricity on a renewable basis? hundred years? Maybe if we can figure out some way to be able to transmit it. Mm-hmm. Printing money or, or mining for money in the future? Uh, Cryptocurrency uh, is going. They're, they're supposed to be releasing. That. They're supposed to be releasing their first uh, elect, uh, exchange-traded funds for Bitcoin in the next few days. Uh, it's becoming a mainstream kind of investment vehicle. Yeah, it's it's going to be around. Do you spend much time with crypto? I'm doing a strategy for Encore right now around uh, blockchain and and cryptocurrency. Can you revenues. share your your no. summary. No, Can't share that. No. What uh, what does the what does the crypto market mean for people who don't really who grasp it, and why is it so relevant? It enables a different way of accounting for things that don't require banks. Mm-hmm. Does it enable a different way for building out an electrical grid? Uh, 
not how we would build out the grid, but how we would in, manage the grid. Or infusion of capital in order to do, yeah. Uh, how people pay their bills. Yeah. Uh, transactive energy where, you know, you have a sun, sun panel on your roof. Mm-hmm. You're generating more power than you need today. There's somebody else, someplace else in the country who needs some power. Mm-hmm. I'll put my excess energy into the grid and I'll tra- sell it to them using blockchain yeah. to transact the, the sale of sure. the power. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You know, so crypto will be around exponentially into the future. There's no, there's no slowing this thing down uh, at this until, point until it's replaced just as, you know, you know, hard currency is being replaced. Hardly anybody carries actual cash anymore. Why would you, you know, you don't need well, it. I, I need to buy a sandwich or something. Sandwich. Well, it, I, <laughs> most everybody's going to be able to take a scan of your eyeball pretty soon. And you, your eyeball pays for you. Uh, because everything is right back into the computers that will automatically see, uh, okay, it, it's JW, that's his eyeball. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's just authorized this account. Right. Off you go. And, and he authorized it because he blinked at the mm-hmm. camera. So in bringing us kind of back around and, and kind of slowly going to the, to the wrap-up, um, mm-hmm. you can't answer this either where it's like you don't have a choice, we're there. Is, this, is it good? I mean, are, 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 what ha- is what's happening with technology hurting us more than it's helping us? Oh, think back to 1850, 1850s technology. Was, was that a lifestyle that you'd like to live or would you rather live the lifestyle we have today with all the technology that enables all the stuff for us? Well, I don't know what was going on in 1850. Like was that? Wagon train time. Yeah. I, you know, Let's see my, going, ki- going, going I see my kids and, more. And, yeah. You yeah. see, you guess, yeah, because they're all, you now have 25 of them working the farm so that you can actually grow in enough the food. Wigwam or something. In, in the wigwam, yeah. yeah. But again, it's, it's the this, this thing of technology enables a different lifestyle and will continue to accelerate. It will change how we interact with each other, which is what I come back to, which is we're being intermediated by all this technology. Mm-hmm. So when do we get to the point where people can't talk to each other anymore? Are we going to get to that point, you think? We're getting there. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote a novel about that too. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I wrote a screenplay about that, that what somebody bought and almost got made. It was called Avatar. <clears throat> oh, nice. Not your, not the avatar that they made though, right? Uh, James Cameron actually read my script, but didn't use it. <sighs> Interesting. Yeah. But so somehow um, you never saw any royalties off that, I'm guessing. I did see a royalty, but not from Cameron, from another party that oh, took good. it. Good. Because I took a different approach to the topic of avatars. Right. And as I understand it, a filmmaker did make a film from it. I'm not sure what he ended up I would think you need a really good lawyer being what well, you're I, doing. Oh, I paid it. Yeah, I got paid for it. So I was happy that I got paid. Yeah, for it. but to protect some of these ideas, right, that you see kind of come into fruition. I don't know if you can do that per well, se. I, but. I write the books and let people think about it because I'm, I'm, I'm like this, the burr under the saddle. I'd rather get people thinking about stuff yeah. than give them the answers. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, it's just with my own team. You know, I ask a whole lot more questions than I give them answers mm-hmm. to things. Mm-hmm. And when we do our Black Swan Dialogues, I paint the picture and say, how do we respond to this? And then we have a discussion about that. And it's not right. just me. It's everybody coming in and saying, yeah, we need to go do this or we need to go do that. And yeah. then we go off and start working on those issues. Any thoughts on uh, modern medicine, where we're headed with that? Are we going to cure certain things? Are we going to cure cancer in the future? Any, that, any thoughts there? The pandemic has accelerated everything we were doing in, in medicine. Uh, we're probably going to be 10 years ahead of where we would have been otherwise with what's happened, particularly with the vaccines. Right. The fact that we can have vaccines now for a whole lot of things we never even thought about. Mm-hmm. One of, again, one of the, th- going back to, I believe in you and the whole one I did about pandemic. One of the things that came with that was in that book was really focusing on the role that vaccines play and just, 
you know, the, the fact that uh, pharmaceutical companies don't find enough volume in a lot of diseases that we have to be able to make any money, so they don't put any money into the research for it. Well, with this mRNA approach, we now are going to be able to batch stuff for much smaller amounts to make money mm. with pharmaceutical companies to attack some of these things that up until now we just haven't bothered to take go after because the people who have to make the medicine, vaccines and stuff couldn't make any money doing it. So I think we're going to see just a, a huge expansion of uh, medicines and treatments to, to address how people uh, have uh, addressed their, their issues with uh, different diseases. But we're also with the, uh, the CRISPR uh, gene, tech, gene splicing, gene technology stuff. You're going to have most babies within 10 years will probably be very, very healthy. You won't have the birth defects and the other things that you have. You won't have as much you know, genetic, uh, and, you know, uh, in frailties that, uh, frailties that come out. We're going to just be a healthier people to begin with. And there's already a whole lot of research going on about lifespan extension, uh, really focusing in on the, uh, the, re- the human body's response to deprivation. There's a professor uh, by the name of Walter or something or other uh, out in California who actually will sell you a kit to extend your life where you basically fast according to a very reduced diet one week a month. Mm-hmm. And he believes that that will, redu- that will expand your lifespan. People right now are saying most people probably won't live past 120. <laughs> but the p- babies who are being born today, a lot of them will make that number. And a lot of it comes back to the telomeres and just how your, your cells, you know, de- de- degrade over time. Uh, but you know, I think we're going to see an expansion of life, life, lifespan. And if my uh, predictions in uh, I, I, uh, uh, Ghost of the Machine come true and we can go to mechanicized bodies, why not? Right. We're seeing more and more heart replacements, you know, heart replacements, liver replacements. We're able to replace major parts of the human body. When do we get to the point where you just replace it all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for your consciousness. So now you bring up something interesting, uh, stronger humans mm-hmm. when the rise of the machines comes to mm-hmm. this is, mm-hmm. and it's all generated by technology. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about that. Yep. What about, uh, population growth in, in the same breath food supply? Mm-hmm. How do, how do these things coexist in a future? Well, in 1850, no one thought there would be 6 billion people in the world because they didn't think there was enough food. Well, and right now we have enough food generally for the world. Well, yeah, especially we, if we fast for a week well, yeah. every month. But yeah, you know, again, it, it comes back to the fact that our technologies will allow us to find ways to start replacing cows. We'll be able to grow hamburger. We already do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so if we don't need nature in its current form to provide all the food stuffs for us, where's the limit? Yeah. Well, especially if we become machines. Because you know, we don't Just need more electricity from Just Encore. More, yeah, that, that's the one thing that, you know, the, the, in, in my novels, the, the, the character has to recharge periodically. So that, that's the thing that slows her down, the main character. Oh, yeah. Before we run out of time, David, um, talk about Tesla a little bit. You mm-hmm. mentioned that bad off air before the show, but mm-hmm. what's, what's going on with Tesla and get some thoughts there. Well, as we know, the Tesla factory in Austin is going to be opening up here yeah, very soon, uh, probably right after the first of the year. Uh, Tesla, uh, from the analysis that I've done and, and things I've been reading and, and people I've talked to, uh, they're going to start replacing the major manufacturers because of the volume of vehicles they're going to be able to produce. Uh, classic example is Ford. You know, they have the Ford F-150, which could be the number one electric vehicle in the world if they wanted it to be, particularly in Texas, since the whole world is Texas. Why do we care? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm talking with the people at Ford. They say that by 2023, they will have produced 150,000 of them. And I said, for Texas? And they said, no, for the world. This plant down here in, in Austin that, that Tesla's getting ready to open will produce 3 million vehicles a year. Oh, wow. It's up to full capacity. And that's one of four plants that they've got now. Mm-hmm. And they're expanding the capacity in, in California. They're opening up their Berlin plant uh, in within the next few months. And that has capacity for 2 million cars. And they're already producing a half a million in China. And they're going to be able to produce over a million in China by the end of, of next year. You know, tes- Tesla is, is a, it's going to, and one of the things I was reading was that they are able to produce their cars for one third the cost of what Volkswagen builds their electric car for. And that's Volkswagen. That's, that's not Volkswagen. even American made yeah, vehicles. Right. 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 Is this kind of like, do you look back as the futures like you talked about? Do you look back to like the kind of the Japanese invasion of all mm-hmm. those cars when it mm-hmm. just with the American cars from then? With what, what Tesla's doing, uh, I made the, the comment, I don't know whether to invest in Tesla or not, because if Elon decides to go work SpaceX and not do cars anymore, what happens to Tesla? Yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Again, it comes back to the, uh, the, the innovator is the person who drives the change. And when the innovator is no longer driving the change, will the bureaucrats who come in behind them to run the company do what the, the innovator would have done or will they do what they would do, would do and consequently the whole thing changes over again right right we struggle with that succession plan here at the podcast yes mm-hmm. quite quite often i already have the plan in place don't yeah. worry <laughs> um I, but speaking back about elon i read many years ago elon's goal his life goal is to go to mars and mm-hmm. come home mm-hmm. you know the cost is something like 50 billion dollars to achieve this at least it was back then you foresee us living on Mars or the moon. Do you see more oh. of this stuff happening? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're supposed to go back to the moon in 2024. Uh, Elon's going to have a, 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 a private individual fly around the moon, I think, next year mm-hmm. in his starship. You know, space tourism, well, you know, it's going to be the kind of thing where you know, he's going to walk, you know, Elon's going to walk up to Joe and say, well, if you're not going to send anybody, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and in fact, in the novel that I'm publishing tomorrow, uh, as I was indicating before, one of the characters is the guy who su- flies a spaceship, a supply ship for Elon for the, after these drop the people on Mars, flies a sp- the sup- resupply ship up to bring up, you know, things that they need to, until they can start making it on the planet and coming back. Does he have to wait at the port of Long Beach for those boats to get in or no. how does that work? He's, no. he's, he's got his own spaceport in Boca Chica <laughs> and he actually lives there now. Yeah. He's, he's, he's lives in a $50,000 house in Boca Chica, Texas. He's worth $600 billion or whatever it is. Yeah. <clears throat> Does the world run out of oil in your mind? No, because we'll stop using it before it's gone. That's good to hear for some we'll, people. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with other things that are, are uh, other uses for it. Uh, so there will always be a oil market. Uh, it just won't be at the volumes we're at today. Because what, what replaces it? Uh, electricity. Batteries. Well, it's the it's the you know, the the green generation. It's solar. It's wind. It's biofuels. Uh, there's all kinds of things now that uh, one of the things we've been looking at a lot recently is uh, compressed air energy storage, where you take the excess energy you have that you generate during the day, and then you uh, compress air into underground salt domes in Texas, and you you could actually compress enough air in a salt dome in Texas to be able to run a substantial portion of the grid for a week. So if we ever had a storm like we had before, with enough salt domes with this compressed air energy storage, you know, they just they just turn the switch and they start letting it 
out of its compressed state and it turns a turbine and creates electricity mm-hmm. and there's no inputs. There's no fossil fuels involved. It's whatever generated the, the, the force to compress that air in the first place. Right. It's all green. Uh, but it could, it could make our grid so much more reliable than it is today because you would have the ability to have a long-term energy storage that if you had an event like we had in February, you just turn that on and release it and keep everybody's up lights on until the cold snap is, is moved on. Right. David, I truly think it's this fascinating stuff and mm-hmm. we appreciate you saying this. Do any of your friends, any people that you know, think you're kind of cuckoo? I mean, does people think you're crazy with some of your ideas? I don't know anybody who thinks I'm sane. <laughs> Fair enough. Good answer. Fair enough. Okay, so we um we always ask our guests this, uh, family aside, mm-hmm. and this will be interesting uh, coming from a futurist, uh, best day of your life? I'm a perverse person. <laughs> So the, the best day of my life was the day that I learned that I was going to have to wear glasses for the rest of my life. Interesting. Because that was the day I realized I wasn't going to be going to the Air Force Academy and being a pilot. And I actually was going to have to work for a living and figure out how to do something with my brain rather than with my body. Interesting. That's a great answer. How do people find you in your, in your books? How do they find me? Yes. Uh, uh, you can go to Amazon under D.H. Trichler. It's all one word. Or it's www.dhtrikler.com. Or you could go to uh, www.globalvinosnob for my blogs for world travel that I've done because a lot of the stuff is takes place in other countries around the world. But I'll tell you all about the good food to eat in Italy or oh, yeah. in Albania or whatever you want to do for the places I've been. Uh, or you can go to if, if3.org, uh, which is the Institute for Future Fiction which is an organization I started for other people to encourage other writers to write this kind of fiction. David Tragler, thank Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. 